supersedes truth when facts are the enemy in a time where even Orwell would look at things and shake his head in disbelief in a time when it takes backbone to stand up to the slings and arrows of outrageous deception thank all that's holy you have a voice TNN the truth news network and Dan Newman we're not just your voice we're the voice for a whole lot of people that self-identify with the quest for truth that we enacted about three years ago here at TNN Live, Truth News Network. And we've just been looking for ways to improve our gathering of information, getting inside information, making sure everything we get is legitimate before we report it to you. And then when we share it to you, we share it with you. And you can draw some of your own conclusions about things. After all, we trust you. We're not a typical news agency. We're not one of those kind. We're not an editorial show. We do express our opinions from time to time. After all, that is what we do here. Everybody's got opinions about everything. And if it's important to you, it's important to us. Your opinion is important to us at Truth News Network. And so, have you reconciled in your mind, in your home in your family, in your work relationships? Have you reconciled that the COVID-19 pandemic is over? Have you turned a corner yet? Have you closed the door? Well, guess what? I think it's time we do that, regardless of what the so-called experts tell us. There are infections, COVID-19 infections every day. Well, people get pneumonia every day. There are diagnoses of cancer of all kinds every day. Bad stuff happens to good people. A lot of people get sick. A lot of people die. We're all going that way eventually. Nobody's got a ticket out of here without facing death. But what we've just lived through, have you figured it out yet? What we've just lived through is a fake pandemic. No question people died during the pandemic, but do you know the death rate in the United States last year was the same as the previous year? And if you listen to Anthony Fauci and the others that are the so-called experts talking about this through that entire year and a half or almost two years, you would think that we lost half our population. But isn't it strange? The tick down in population here in the United States, it's just fallen in line with pretty much every other year. That means, listen to this, that means either a bunch of people figured out how to live longer or we were getting some bad messaging about how desperate COVID-19 was on the American people. So Dr. Fauci, where's he been of late? Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, where's she been the last few days? You can never expect Anthony Fauci to disappear from news. He loves being in front of the cameras. And he had a, a few days off where people didn't know where he was. In fact, we were told he went on vacation. Good for you, Dr. Fauci. Many of us wish you would have gone on vacation and stayed gone longer <laughs> over the last couple of years. 
So he's back in the news today. He's been the mouthpiece for the government's COVID response across two presidential administrations now. So yesterday, he said in an interview, guess what? The U.S. is certainly out of the pandemic stage. But wait a minute. He didn't stop there. He never does. But, he said, he cautioned that the larger global pandemic is still ongoing. Here's what he said. We are certainly right now in this country out of the pandemic phase. And he was appearing doing an interview with PBS NewsHour with Judy Woodruff. Fauci's answer came immediately after Woodruff asked him, how close are we to the end of this pandemic? He called that an unanswerable question. We don't have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands of hospitalizations and thousands of deaths, he said. We're at a low level right now. So if you're saying, are we out of the pandemic phase in this country, we are. Don't you think this should be number one of the news? I mean, COVID-19 has been number one of the news every day for the past, what, two and a half, three years? And the fact that we are out of it, which you and I know we knew for some time now, we were out of it. But when the guy, the COVID God, Dr. Anthony Fauci finally says, so it is written, so let it be. (laughs) You would think there would be some trumpets playing. Uh, Not so much. (laughs) It's just kind of like, oh, well, what's next? Don't think for a second Dr. Fauci is going anywhere. I promise you. He is around. He is part of our everyday life. And he's going to remain that way. How's he going to do that? He'll create some other (laughs) COVID-19 variant or something new to scare us with. And, you know, he's pretty successful at doing that. If that was what his hope was, if that's what he was hoping for, I think he'd get in his wish, don't you? I mean, he's always been out there and he demands attention. And he does that by telling everybody without saying it this way, listen, you're stupid. I'm the medical expert. you got to listen to what I say. I mean, that's what's going on, folks. That's what we're having happen to us right now, today. So how was the front half of your week? Did it start off pretty good? Mine did. A busy week. A lot of moving parts. But I've really enjoyed the front half of this week. I don't know why. I think maybe it's a transition from, uh, I'm in Louisiana. We don't have four seasons here unless the group four seasons is appearing at one of the local casinos. (laughs) We don't. We have two. We have summer and we have fall. (laughs) That's pretty much it. We don't have a real winter here. It'll get cold. Um, It was right at 50 degrees this morning at about 6 o'clock when I I went to the meeting I go to every Monday through Friday morning at 5.30 and I rode my Harley this morning. It was a crisp morning. But it just seems like everything's changing. You know, the seasons are changing. Maybe attitudes are changing. Maybe we go through the darkest part of the year. I remember we lived in Indianapolis, Indiana for a couple of years back when our kids were in elementary and junior high school. And when we went up there, I don't know if you know anything about Indianapolis. It's a great city. It sits right in the heart 
of the northern part of mid-America. In fact, Indianapolis itself, downtown Indianapolis, there's a, uh, it's not a square, it's actually a circle, and a bunch of high-rise buildings are built around the circle. That's Monument Circle, and in the middle of it, there is a Navy statue. That statue designates the exact geographical center point of the state of Indiana, which I thought was kind of interesting. Indianapolis is a really good city. And when we went there, we were shocked by many of the things. We came from North Louisiana, went to Indianapolis in uh, 1989 when, uh, I, I don't need to tell you, if you know anything about Louisiana, the oil industry had taken a nosedive and everything boarded up. People laid off. The economy in Northwest Louisiana was horrible. We went to Indy at that time. They had 1.2 million in population, had great business. The economy there was roaring. Tried to relate to some of the people I work with how tough it was in Louisiana at the time, and they just looked at me. They didn't understand. They didn't comprehend. A large Midwest city that has diversity in its economic drivers there in Indianapolis and all across Indiana. But one thing they had that we really enjoyed, they had four seasons. I mean, they really had spring. They really had a fall, and it was different from summer and winter, markedly. First time I've lived anywhere in America where we actually had four seasons. Here, we have hot, and then we have hotter. (laughs) And we measure our hotter not so much by the temperature, it's by the humidity. When it's about 85 degrees here and the relative humidity is about 101%, it feels like it's 200 degrees, like the inside of an oven baking. But it's during this transition time that I always feel like things are cool. Getting outside, messing in the yard, did uh, some uh, weed killing this past weekend and Got fertilization coming up in a couple of days where I put down fertilizer to get the grass just right, just right for real spring when we get there. I like being outdoors. I think the world is a great place to go to see and attach yourself, connect yourself with creation. And I'm not one of those earth people. I'm not one of those, those um, the, the people that are all into the environment. I'm not an environmentalist, but what I am is someone who appreciates our environment, the changing of the seasons, plant growth. I just like to see things that are happy, things that aren't negative. Don't we have enough negative in our lives? Do we need any more than we already have? And especially the kind you get on yourself voluntarily. You make choices that says, "Uh uh-huh, here we come. Life as you known it, it's taken a far left turn here. We're going to mess it up. This is a good time to reconsider all that's going on in your life. Everything. Family relationships, work, everything that's important to you. Just I'm not saying think about running away from it or getting away from it. Just analyze it. And all of those things in your life and all those people in your life that are good, thank God for them. Thank them. Do you ever just go up to somebody that you know, that you work with, that you socialize with, and just tell them thank you? 
Thank you for being the person you are. Thank you for allowing me to be somebody in your life. You can never go too far in just thanking people for being who they are in your lives. And just think what that may do for somebody that you say that to. You can make them feel pretty good about themselves. So what are the important things that are happening in the nation today? You know which ones pretty much all. Elon Musk is buying, he's spending $50.40 a share for Twitter stock, and he's buying the whole company. It's interesting. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes going on. We're going to get into a little bit of that. Some really, um, I got to be honest with you, disturbing news about the president. Personal news, financial news is out this morning. There's also much more in the way of Hunter Biden's laptop and the information and the data and the pictures and the documents that are coming off of it and finding their way into the marketplace of ideas every few days. And what told we told you Monday, new stuff is out on Hunter Biden almost every day, and it's going to continue. And there are going to be some real stink bombs that are unearthed. But it's going to be truthful stuff, and it's beginning to come that way. And it looks like there's a whole lot of pressure now on Attorney General Merrick Garland to appoint a special prosecutor to take up all things Hunter Biden. We've got to get the politicization about that particular thing. We've got to get it put away, just totally pushed out of this. We have to have clarity. We have to have somebody that is not a political hack looking at the president's family members. We just can't have that. It's got to be somebody independent, somebody that we can trust is going to find the truth and tell the American people the truth and hold anybody that's done any illegal illegal acts, hold them uh, accountable for that. I expect there's going to be some real heat turned up on the Attorney General as we get closer to the midterm elections. I think people on both sides of the aisle are going to be demanding it. They'll be hollering and screaming, we got to find out if our president's breaking the law, if he's done unethical things, and any of those that are around him. I mean, we still don't have an answer. You know, he passed out all those egregious sanctions on all those Russian oligarchs, and the wealthiest woman in Russia, who is an oligarch herself, the former mayor of Moscow's wife, he passed away. She is the wealthiest woman on the planet. She has been implicated in giving Hunter Biden several million dollars with no explanation of why. And then here comes dad. He slapped sanctions on every big oligarch in Russia, except on the person who is the wealthiest oligarch in Russia that happens to have funneled millions of dollars to the president's son, Hunter Biden. Usually when there's something there, there's something there. You see that, you hear that all the time. If it looks really convincing that there's factual stuff going along with what you see, it usually means there is a lot of stuff that's there. In this case, I promise you, there's a lot of stuff there. So what's happening on the other side of the world? Kind of scary what happened yesterday. 
the Russian government stopped all gas exports, natural gas exports, to Poland and Bulgaria after what they say is a deadline that passed for the nations to pay for gas in Russian rubles rather than Western currency. So some sources in the Polish government and the Polish oil and gas industry, they claim Russia has stopped all gas supplies to the country. Last night, the stoppage of transmission confirmed today in Poland amid a war of words between Moscow and European capitals. Wholesale gas prices soared a fifth, 20% in Europe in one day, communicating both the shortages the reduction of import resemble as well as market uncertainty. A couple of European nations are heavily dependent on Russian gas, and the number one of those is Germany. The European Union has called the suspension of gas deliveries blackmail. What do you expect when you do business with a syndicate type, um, a, a robber, an outlaw, you're going to be treated just like he would be expected to treat anybody. And it doesn't matter if you're a nation or if you're an individual. You know what you're going to get when you do business with Vladimir Putin. Speculation arose yesterday over whether the total shutoff of gas was triggered by a prior deadline set for last Friday by the Russian government. What they're demanding is Poland and other European nations pay for gas in rubles rather than in euros or dollars. That's a policy Vladimir Putin had vowed for unfriendly countries back in March. Remember that? We reported it here. You're going to have to buy your gas and pay us in rubles. Russian state media agency TASS confirmed this Early this morning, Russia time, quoting state gas company Gazprom, Gazprom Export has notified Bulgaria and Poland of the suspension of gas supplies from April 27th until the payments are made according to the procedure outlined in the decree. Poland and some other European nations, like Germany, they have rejected the Russia demand to pay for gas and other commodities in rubles, while Hungary, another European Union member state, has claimed it's going to pay in rubles if Putin asked him to. He hadn't yet. That statement from the Russian agency noted, not all shipments going through Poland have been suspended, only those being delivered to Poland itself. Gas pipelines also travel through Poland to take Russian energy to Central Europe, Germany in particular, and Gazprom said they were not being turned off. If Poland attempted to siphon off that transiting, transit, transiting, man, that's a hard one to say, transiting gas that's on its way to Central Europe, and if Poland takes it out of the pipeline for themselves, the statement warned, they would be turned off as well. Russian gas is also still flowing into Europe through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, which goes directly from Russia to Germany beneath the Baltic Sea. I thought, I just thought, You know, it was a crazy thought that I had here, and we voiced it early on when this stuff began to happen. I thought we were going to get Joe Biden to put the sanctions back on Nord Stream 1. That's the pipeline that's already there. The one that is still under construction is Nord Stream 2. Oh, well, what do I know? Of course, gas prices jump. 
on the reports that Russia's cut off supplies. 17% last night. They were up in one day. 17% increase for the price of natural gas. Now, what is this thing I told you about Joe Biden? Big news came out. Listen to this. This is really eerie. It involves the Office of Government Ethics, the OGE, and every political person has to, is required to fi- uh, fill out and, re- and file these govern- government offices. O-E- OGE, which stands for Office of Government Ethics. All of these have to be, all these politicians have to fill out these forms and turn them in every year. So for Joe Biden, the OGE filing from 2017 to 2020, it shows that his entity, Celtic Capri Corporation, that corporation collected $8,065,464 in three years, 2017 to 2020. But the tax returns, they're different. His tax return filed to the IRS from 2017 to 2019 shows he reported $13,245,535 in income. Nobody knows or nobody's saying, if they do know, why Biden reported a difference of $5,180,071 to the IRS and not to the Office of Government Ethics. That's not just a little miss. Not at all. You don't miss accidentally a $5 million number, do you? This all raises questions about where the nearly $5.2 million might have come from. In April, Joe claimed he doesn't think you should make money while you're in office. But emails from Hunter's laptop showed there were great sums of money that were transferred to the Biden family via some very shady overseas business deals. Now let's drive this home. What does that look like to an average American when the average American wage in 2019 was $51,900? In 2013, the family secured over a billion dollars in financing from that state-run Bank of China to be used for a private equity firm that Hunter co-founded with no previous equity, private equity, any kind of experience whatsoever, they just gave him a billion five hundred million dollars, the Chinese, the Bank of China. And of course, when you do business with the Bank of China, you're doing it with the Communist Party and Xi Jinping, a billion five. The family also got millions in taxpayer loans for real estate development in the Caribbean. And they benefited from a a billion and a half in government contracts while Joe was vice president. So after he left office, members of the family profited $4.8 million through 2017 and 2018. Where and how? Well, from its deal with the Chinese energy company. And this is not coming from any place like Fox News. It's coming from the Washington Post. Polling shows 60% of voters believe Hunter sold influence and access to Joe Biden, 60%. The poll also found 67% believe Joe should be impeached if he secretly participated and facilitated in the family's business. I think we're past the point of wondering if he did. 
what we are wondering now is to what degree was his involvement in these shady deals that every one of them, at the end of them, there's millions of dollars in cash, wire transfers that go to these various Biden syndicate people and bank accounts. Do you think there's cheating going on? Do you think there's any criminality going on? Well, he sure is adamant denying it, isn't he? I never had a conversation with my son or his business partners about their business. Ballface lie. He met with everybody that was involved in a bunch of hunters overseas international business deals. Biden himself opened the door for the opportunity for Hunter to get in them for the Biden family syndicate. And Joe is the big guy that is referenced in all of those emails that Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter's former partner, revealed, came forward voluntarily and revealed the big guy is Joe, who was, according to all these emails, supposed to get a percentage of everything. If it quacks and waddles, it's almost always a duck. And I think this duck is about to lay some eggs. What about you? So what else do we have going on today? We've got the radioactive fallout from the reported takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk. We're going to look into that. And it's turned the world upside down. It is incredible how many on the left have gotten very, very angry and showed it publicly about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. That's like it's been their arm to go after and attack any and every conservative that has a face. They just learned very quickly they could shut people down with no repercussions for doing so. Why? Because we have a Democrat-controlled House, a Democrat-controlled Senate, and a Democrat sitting in the White House. That party, along with their media lapdogs, control everything. And this was not supposed to happen. Free speech, they're saying, is going to be taken away by Elon Musk. Of course, their definition of free speech is different from mine or yours, or the Constitution for that matter. Their real definition of free speech is anybody can say anything as long as we think it's okay for them to say it. But if they say it and we we feel like it's not what it should be, we're going to call it racist, xenophobe. We'll put a name on it. But the number one thing that's going to happen is we're going to pull you down. We're going to take your voice away from you on Twitter. According to Elon Musk, those days are over. And I got to be honest with you, I'm one person that is pretty glad to think and see that they're over. We, we've got some other radioactive fallout coming about the uh, the takeover of Twitter by Elon. We're going to get into that. But I want to go back to a, a story that we covered yesterday, a sad story. It was about that Texas National Guard gentleman who went in the water to save a couple of of illegals that were stuck and looked like they were going to get caught and possibly die in the Rio Grande River. And he drowned. National Guard. National Guard, or state entities, right? 
federal government doesn't control them. But they always work hand in hand together. Why? Why was the National Guard? Why is the National Guard down at the southern border in Texas? It's because the federal government, who has the sole, the unilateral authority and responsibility to protect the borders, all the borders of the United States, on this president's watch, they're not doing it. They said again overnight, this is not an open border policy. This is not, what we're about to do is not an open border policy. I, I don't care what you call it. It is an open border policy because you're not stopping people from entering the country illegally. The only way to describe that is open borders. And it doesn't matter what you call it. Everybody in America knows what's going on. I've just been beside myself watching the leaders in Washington, D.C. just wink at it every day. Nobody's taking it on. Nobody in Congress has stepped up to take on the illegality and every piece of what the Biden administration is doing is unconstitutional. And the people that are perpetrating it should be kicked out of office by whoever put them in office or they should be fired in the case of Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, he can be impeached, but he could also be fired. Joe Biden could fire him. I personally wish that all of those people at the agency heads would be fired. All that being said, though, back to this, back to this National Guard gentleman. He's from Texas. He's from Arlington, Texas, up, up in north central, suburb of Dallas. African-American guy, he went into the water trying to save two people, and he died. They lived, and they're both confirmed to be drug traffickers, of all things. So you would think a commander-in-chief, and I don't care what anybody else says, the commander-in-chief, even though National Guard is state by state, in the case of a national emergency, the commander-in-chief has sole authority over even National Guard units around the nation. I told you, I told you what Jen Psaki said about this guy and the Biden administration's responsibility in his death. I wanted you to hear it for yourself. Does the White House feel any responsibility for his death, given that uh, there, there's reporting that he lost his life, uh, allegedly trying to save uh, two migrants who were smuggling drugs. This is a problem that you know the administration has been facing for some time, and is obviously as we've been discussing, getting some criticism on. Is does the White House feel at all responsible? And what what more can you offer to people who you know are on the border in border communities who are experiencing loss and, and trials like this? Well, I, I, of course, we are mourning the, the loss of his life, and we are grateful for the work of every National Guardsman. I would note that the National Guard work for the states, and so he is an employee of the Texas, Texas National Guard, and his efforts and his operation were directed by there, not by the federal government uh, in this in this effort, in this apparatus. Uh, we've, we've long stated that our immigration system is broken. There needs to be more done to invest in smarter security, to have a more effective asylum processing system, and we would welcome any efforts to uh, for, for any elected officials to work with us on that. Just no responsibility, no accountability. We didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't work for us. Well, no, 
Jen, but why is he even at the southern border? It's because your policies are anti-American. They're anti-constitutional, and his state, the leadership in his state, are tired of watching their entire state and other states around the nation, especially those at the southern border, being overrun by illegals because you and your boss won't do the job you all committed you were going to do. And then she launches into this talking point analysis. We have horrible immigration laws. And what we're going to do is if we can get cooperation from those on the other side, we're going to change these laws. We're going to do it, but they won't let us do it. They won't come to the table. They won't give us any ideas that are effective, that will work. Let me tell you what. Here's the hard truth about the legislative process. Sometimes members of Congress don't get their way. Sometimes they don't. And in fact, elections change that whole landscape every two years in the United States Congress. It's never going to look exactly the same. Every two years, every seat, every one of the 435 seats in the House of Representatives comes up for grabs. Faces change, attitudes change, political perspectives change when people change. So what are you getting at, Dan? Did you know we have a bevy of federal immigration laws that are very simple, very well put together? They were crafted many years ago. They've been amended through the years. Some of them have been taken out and new ones put in. But guess what? The federal books are loaded with immigration laws. And so what did your boss do when it comes to this part of his job, Jen? He swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Included in that are requirements of things the federal government have to do. Protecting our borders is one of those things. You're not doing it, Mr. President. You're shirking on your duty, your constitutional duty. In addition to that, on your watch, you have not allowed, you have ordered those who work for you to blink, turn the other way when people come across the border illegally and facilitate their getting into American society, evading the laws that say they can't come unless they're invited to come. Do you understand what the lawlessness is that's out there every day? And millions of Americas, Americans have just quietly bought into that. It's okay. Jen, listen closely to what Dan down in Louisiana is going to say right now. There are laws that have already been passed, signed into law. They've been passed by both houses of Congress and a president before this one inked them, and they became laws. The constitutional legislative process provides for this. The legislature, Congress, combination of House and Senate, they have sole authority in the United States to pass federal laws. And when they pass one and a president signs it into law, that's the law. And everybody in this government swore an oath to serve and protect those laws. 
If you don't like the laws, and by the way, you guys up there, you're part of the process. You don't like them. You think they're not good. Change them. Well, we can't change them, Jen said. We're trying to get the other side to come to the table, and they won't come to the table and work with us. No, because of what you're demanding from the other side. You want a path to citizenship. As a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and make them all citizens. We can call it something else, you know, have a test or a a trial period for them, whatever you want to call it. It's still letting illegals become citizens and get all of the rights and privileges that go with that, even though they're here, is being illegal. They're criminals when they come across the border uninvited. And you want to just blink at all of the illegality that has gone along with these millions of people coming here illegally. And they have the audacity in Washington to say, you know, we're not, we're not doing all of this. These non-government organizations are the ones. They're taking these immigrants and they're taking care of them. Their hearts are big, just like ours. We love these people. We want them to have a better life. But what they don't tell you is the obvious. Where are these NGOs, non-government organizations, where are they getting money to transport these illegals all across America, to put them up in hotels and feed them, to educate them, to get them housing? Where's all that money coming from? Joe Biden is giving the money to the non-government organizations to do this. Catholic Charities is the biggest offender. And they're a great organization. We've worked with them here in Louisiana in the past. They're really good, but they have allowed themselves to be politicized. They're into politics now, at least down at the southern border with this administration, Alejandro Mayorkas, with no authority against the law. This administration is spending tens of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars, your tax dollars, You wonder why inflation is growing like it is? They throw money around like toilet paper, like it's meaningless, like there's no price to it. It's no big deal. Let us do what we do. It's kind of Fauciism in a different part of our government. And it's nauseating that this is not only being allowed, it's being encouraged. That just blows my mind. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, let me tell you what we're going to get into. That other brand-new Hunter bombshell that implicates Joe Biden, we have that to bring to you. Also, one of our friends at Fox News that has a British accent is going to come let us know the woke crowd is in trouble. They're in deep (laughs) doo-doo. And we've got some Elon Musk and Twitter news. We're going to have that. I'm sure you probably know this, but we're going to have that every day. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Elon Musk hasn't been known as a conservative. He's a libertarian. He actually is a little further to the right, but he's been kind of quiet about his politics through the years, except every once in a while, he'll say something publicly and you get a glimpse of who he really is politically. But I can tell you what we do know about Elon Musk's right now today, he is what we call a free speecher. 
Twitter even banned him <laughs> and he bought the company or he's buying the company. Stuart Varney comes in to talk about the woke crowd and how this is impacting them and a whole bunch more. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for being here with us. We'll be right back. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. I guess we're some of those free speechers here at Truth News Network. I love what happened yesterday coming from CNN. This is just epic. Their chief media correspondent. That sounds like a great title, doesn't it? You know who it is. It's little Brian, Brian Stelter. Remember he, in the very beginning of the Hunter Biden laptop thing, he said, and he screamed and hollered for months, it's Russian disinformation before it was verified by the established media. New York Times, first ones that came out and said, yep, it really is. Brian claimed free speech is unattractive now to Americans. Brian Stelter, CNN. Little Brian. Free speech is unattractive to Americans. Here's what he said. If you get invited to something where there are no rules, where there's total freedom for everybody, do you actually want to go to that party or are you going to decide to stay home? Now, he was asking a rhetorical question, of course. That's a question for Twitter users, he said. Some Twitter users would love the idea that there's going to be absolutely no moderation and no rules at all, he whined. Others might not want to be anywhere near that. And it wasn't just CNN. Over at MSNBC, an anchor, Ari Melber, alleged the coronavirus, if you remember, was unlikely to have originated in China. He complained Monday that Twitter, under Musk, 
may secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates. He, of course, ignored Twitter censorship of the laptop from hell story. If you own all of Twitter or Facebook or what, what have you, you don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent, he said. You could secretly ban one party's candidate, all of its parties, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff, turn up the reach of something else, and the rest of us might not even find out until after the election. I mean, they're going crazy, folks. This guy, Ari Melber, he's a rambling fanatic. He just keeps talking and talking in circles. In addition to what you just heard, he said this, Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper, a world helper, if you will. Is that true? Should you take him at his word? Should you care about this, whether you have a Twitter account or not? This is important stuff. And of course, we can't troll CNN and MSNBC without the view. Sunny Hostin, you see her on there all the time. She's a co-host. She said that people are excited because Elon Musk is sort of going to unleash the trolls. Musk is saying, you get to say whatever you want. I'm going to take away the guardrails. That's something that is a bit scary. It's going to be scary to a lot of women, she alleged, before claiming users on Twitter are predominantly straight white men. Don't let any facts get in the way of your conspiracy theories, right? She added, it seems to be that this is about free speech of straight white men. Let them have it. I enjoyed the block button on Twitter. She also said that Musk's purchase of Twitter may create a left-wing alternative where real people are talking. I hope, I hope beyond hope that they try to duplicate Twitter and make it leftist. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. Every eight, 10 years or so, the far left, whoever it was at the time during the last 30 or 40 years, when Republicans take over Congress and they have a Republican in the White House, in other words, the nation chose conservative government, okay? They don't even like to look at it that way, but that's what the facts are. They go bonkers. I remember when I first was introduced to Rush Limbaugh, I was in Indianapolis working in radio there. And my boss, when he found out I was a conservative, he asked me about this guy, Rush Limbaugh. I'd never heard of him. This is in 1989. Rush had just started his national show. And his show was airing live on WIBC in Indianapolis. I went on the air at my station, WTPI, at 3 o'clock. So I would come in, do my commercial production, broadcast, recording stuff, if there was any to be done a particular day. But I'd go into my office and I'd turn on WIBC and listen to Rush Limbaugh. And I remember how relatable Rush was in all the things he said and the way he related them to people. I didn't know I was really as conservative as I am. And I actually have moved a little further to the right since, and I'm pretty much a libertarian now. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm an independent. But I wasn't when this happened up there. But 
At about that time, the left tried to start, or they did start, and invested a fortune and money in a leftist talk show to bring Rush Limbaugh down. And there have been two or three simple excursions like that since that time. Every time they do, they fail. And you know why? Because there's not enough substance in their theories, in their political ideals, to get people attracted and engaged, and then to keep those in the fold that they have gotten into the fold previously. It falls apart. There's no substance. So I'm looking forward to the left trying to duplicate Twitter on the other side of the aisle. Now, isn't it strange to mention Twitter being on the other side of the aisle and the other side of the aisle being conservative? But it looks like that's where we're headed. I don't think it's going to be as far right as people are afraid that it's going to be. Why is that? Elon Musk is not going to shut down the conversations from the left. They think the only way they can win in a media project like this is if they can just take the voices away of their dissenters, the conservatives. It doesn't work that way. Life allows and free speech allows both perspectives equally all the time with no censorship. That's all Musk is pushing for. Do you think he's going to get it? I think he will. If he wants to, he's going to get it because guess what? He's just writing a $44 billion check to have that right. (laughs) And he's not doing it to make money. He doesn't have to make more money. He is the reported wealthiest man on the planet. So why is he doing it? It's important to him. Free speech is important to him. Not the definition of free speech that you just heard, but the real definition of free speech. We're going to watch this, and their heads are spinning. They're all spewing green vomit. The world is coming to an end. Free speech is gone. Elon Musk is going to take it away. And it's exactly the opposite of that. Reality is, are they so deluded that they believe what they're saying to be factual? Guess what? They're not going to be shut down on Elon Musk Twitter. They're going to get to say whatever they want to. Try to convince us. That's the thing about our border uh, problems that I, I just can't get through. The American legislative process was designed and has always existed as a place where people that represent people across the nation, and they all have varying ideas about the same subject, is to get together and talk, debate, converse, Try to bring the other people to your side of every conversation. If you can't, you try to find consensus. You negotiate and you try to find common ground. If you can, and what you're trying to do is best for the American people to improve lives for the American people, do your darndest to reach agreement. Pass this as legislation and get the sitting president to sign it into law. Instead of that process, they think just because they're Democrats, just because they're leftists, nothing has to make any sense in legislation that they bring forth to pass. Because of who they are, we just should automatically say, go ahead, do it. That's not the way democracy, that's not the way a representative republic works. 
The majority still rules. There are protections in there to protect the innocent that aren't uh, numbered among the majority. That's always been the case. They're going to be taken care of. But still, it's supposed to be done in the constitutional way rather than Brian Stelter and Sonny Hostin and all the others standing up and screaming loud and throwing out epithets, making threats against people, telling lies, outright lies about Elon Musk and free speech. It's time for them to come to the place where they accept the facts. Elon Musk is not about censorship. He's not about controlling speech. The current system that's set up, that's exactly what it was crafted to do and what it's been doing very effectively for the left, especially over the last years, the years of the Trump administration, and they had started it when Biden and Barack were in office. That is where they want to keep it. And they're really upset because their apple cart has been turned upside down. And this time it's not by the orange man. (laughs) It's not by Donald Trump. It's by Elon Musk, who they thought was one of them. You know, he did this Twitter thing, but he got banned from Twitter. But he did Tesla. He did SpaceX and made billions of dollars, hundreds of billions. He's a good guy. He's one of us. And then the truth comes out. In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time insensitive announcement from Staples. Now for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Let me tell you what we just uncovered. James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe, you know him. He's with Project Veritas. He's been kind of quiet of late. There hadn't been any big inside scandals where he needed to go get some information very quietly, right? Well, guess where Guess where the microphones were yesterday? At Twitter. James O'Keefe's Project Veritas has now released leaked audio 
of an internal all-hands meeting at Twitter following Tesla CEO Musk's successful takeover bid for the country. So the CEO of Twitter, I struggle with his name, Parag Agrawal. He tried to calm the company's frantic progressives. They're going nuts over there, promising the company's censorship is fundamental to keeping Twitter safe and growing. And by the way, we have that inside scoop in um, YouTube format. So in our next break, I'm going to put that that uh, video on today's story, which is about Elon Musk at truthnewsnet.org. But Twitter employee reactions to Elon Musk company takeover at this meeting. They reportedly talked for about 45 minutes. Employees questioned board member Brett Taylor and the CEO about the future of the company and Musk's motive for purchasing it. Taylor began the meeting by recognizing how suddenly the situation at the firm has changed, you think? And how employees got to be shocked by this quick turn of events. He said, I also just want to acknowledge all the emotions of today. It's an emotional day. I want to acknowledge that. By law, we're required to act in the best interest of our shareholders. Agraw will also sympathize with employees, stating, it's important to acknowledge that all of you have many different feelings about what's happening. Many of you are concerned, some of you excited, many here are waiting to understand how this goes and trying to have an open mind. Agrawal, the CEO, he attempted to calm any fears the employees might have about the future of the company, stating that the social media platform's current content moderation policies are fundamental to keeping Twitter safe and growing. He added, we'll be finding a way to have Elon talk with all of you at the soonest possible opportunity. As you've heard from all of us, we don't have all the answers. Now, let me put this all in a big wad for you. Here's how it's going to work. Elon Musk, he's an entrepreneur. He's a very, he's a brilliant man. If Let me just give you something to look up. Go find out about the new phone that he is putting out. It's soon to be out on the market. I forget the full name of it, but the last thing is Pi, the symbol Pi, you know, 3.1416. The phone is electronically off the charts, nothing even close to it. You don't need a battery charger. It works like the watch I have on my arm. It works off light and it doesn't have to be sunlight. That's just one thing about it. They're using Elon's low-level satellite system that has been quietly being built and sent up in the atmosphere above us. It's a lower level satellite system that you don't have to have a satellite dish to access. Isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm just telling you about that. Something for you to go look up. All you got to do is, is say, uh, do a search for Elon Musk new phone and put in PI, PI. It'll pop up. It's amazing, and it's going to hit the market very soon. There's nothing else like it. Apple Apple iPhones don't even come close. There are a lot of changes going on, and this guy's got it happening, and all these people can see is one thing. They have been told, and they all believe, they signed off on, and they've implemented a plan to control, totally control what people can say and what people can't say. They wanted Twitter to become the go-to place for everybody to converse in the world. 
If you want to talk to somebody about something important, go to Twitter. If you want to throw mud at somebody, go to Twitter. But they controlled what could be said, how it could be said, by whom, and nobody else could interact and change that. That was the process. That's capitalism. The only way to change that is move to an authoritarian government, which is what all of these leftists had hoped we were in the process of doing. Why would anybody want to be part of an authoritarian government nation? Well, people that want to do that are people that feel like, and they have this assurance, they're going to be part of the authoritarian class when it happens. So they're the ones that are going to be helping pushing down from the top all of these far-left totalitarian processes that this government's going to put in. So what did Elon Musk do? He just pulled the pen and chunked a grenade into the middle of the offices of Twitter, figuratively speaking. But he's blowing up the whole fundamental concept of what these sycophants that came, many of them straight from these far-left schools and colleges, some overseas, they came in here to help facilitate this move to the left. I would be shocked if we don't hear the day that this deal is signed, the regulators sign off on it, and it's approved and money changes hand. I would not be surprised to see 2,000 people fired on the spot. He is a smart guy. Let me tell you what he did. He already had cut a deal with the board to have access to the source code for Twitter, to the algorithms. And what they did was they locked. Every person in the company cannot touch the algorithms, cannot go on there and sabotage Twitter. That was part of the deal that he cut. That would be initiated immediately. And it wasn't the Twitter IT guys that were going to do it and did it. It was Elon's guys. He's not stupid. He has no belief that things are going to go smooth in a transition. And he understands that. He'll be on top of this personally. So everybody on the left has gone stark raving crazy. You know who Senator Ed Markey is? Democrat from Massachusetts. He's a guy who's very regal looking. Thin hair on the top, but he's got real thick white hair. He just looks like somebody from Massachusetts. Well, he's come out and condemned the $44 billion bid for Twitter, and he's citing the obscure cause of algorithmic justice. Algorithmic algorithmic justice is the basis for his objection. He said Musk and his cohort of billionaires can't be trusted with this kind of influence, and we must promote algorithmic justice for internet users, especially for kids. And he took it one step forward. There should be a law against it, he argued. Elon Musk and a handful of billionaires now have dangerous influence over the most powerful online platforms. They can't be trusted. Self-regulation has failed. We must pass laws to protect privacy and promote algorithmic justice for internet users, especially for kids algorithmic justice. Go look that up. Go find a definition for it. Let's do it together. Let's see. A-L-G-O-R-H-Y-T 
rhythmic, riz, algorithmic justice. It's thinking, it's thinking. Algorithmic Justice League, that's artificial intelligence. Projects, Algorithmic Justice from the Santa Fe Institute. Lady Blind Justice, movies or television shows. There's no definition of the term, just algorithmic justice. There are organizations that have named themselves that, but there's no term for it. So what, what, what does that have to do with this, Dan? Let me tell you what this is all about, what Markey did. He pointed out exactly what their problem is. They tell us, they try to convince us, and they did for a long time, that there's got to be somebody, there has to be an arbiter of what can be said and what is unacceptable, what can't be said. And so they set up a process to make themselves the ones that did that unilaterally. And, of course, you heard what Markey did. He blasted billionaires that control these social media platforms. Well, you guys, the left, put the process in place for that to happen, and it got out of hand, and they went over the edge, locked down tight on top of people, stifling free speech. What you say you're the champions for, you and your minions stifle it. They took it away from Americans. They think, Markey, he thinks that you and I are so stupid, we don't have the ability to just look into and see exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. They don't give a rip about free speech. In fact, they want it totally gone. They want to have total control over what is said and what is printed. Not just a little bit, folks, total control of it. And that's the marching that they were doing right up to the authoritarian goal line. That's where they had the nation going, using their own billionaires, the George Soros's, the Mark Zuckerberg's, the Jeff Bezos, using them to guide their ship and fund their ship. And they thought Elon Musk was one of them until he said, wait a minute, I'm a free speecher. And I'm going to buy Twitter because it is a great messaging system, but it's been perverted by the left. And I'm going to put free speech back into Twitter and make it available for every American. So you're going to watch. We're seeing it now, but you're going to watch over the next days and weeks. You're going to watch the woke crowd go nuts every day. And we're not going to cover it every day. I mean, it's pretty much parroting. One of them will say this, the next day someone will say the same thing that was said the day before, maybe couch it a little bit differently, and so on and so on. It is what it is. Elon Musk said he's going to turn on the free speech knob on the administration panel at Twitter. And that's what they're objecting to. Think about that. That's what they're objecting to. Free speech. (laughs) Free speech, that thing that was promised by our forefathers, would never be taken away, could never be taken away by the government. They knew this was going to happen. There was going to be a United States government that amassed power 
and thought they had the authority because the people gave it to them. The people elected them. So they want authoritarian rule over free speech. And we're going to turn the tide on what free speech really is. We're going to define it differently. Free speech is what we say is okay for you to say. And if you disagree with that, you're fighting against free speech. It all is about wokeness. Wokeness, being in the woke crowd, being in the crowd that defines everything. What's good, what's bad. What's right, what's wrong. What's fair, what's unfair. They've dismantled the process that our creator gave to us and we had, according to our forefathers, the inalienable right to be who we are, where we are, sovereign citizens living in a sovereign nation. And those rights that they defined in the Ten Amendments that were written, the Bill of Rights, they defined those as things that cannot be touched by the federal government. And so we've we've shared a little bit of the whining and pining about it from some of them. We're going to share more just a little bit every day, only from the people that it, you know, it really looks like they've lost their, uh, their cheese has slid off their bread. Stuart Varney. I like Stuart a lot. He's a Brit. He's an American citizen. He's got the great accent, but he has the ability to go up to the 10,000 foot level and look out across and analyze a, a bigger picture than most of these people do better than most of us can do. And he weighed in on the woke crowd. A tweet from one of our guests caught my attention. It read in part, it's a bad time to be woke. Oh, so true. Those people who poured scorn on America are in retreat. Actually, it's worse than that. Wokeism is now being ridiculed and that hurts. Musk takes Twitter and Senator Warren says it's dangerous for democracy. That is laughable. As if banning a sitting president and suppressing the Hunter Biden story didn't threaten democracy? Come on. Disney caves to the woke crowd. They won't say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, can't say that. Cue the ridicule. What is wrong with that? Then Disney announces they will work against Florida's parental rights law. That's a bad move. They've lost the special governing rights to Disney World. Wokeism is costly. Netflix loses subscribers for the first time in a decade. Maybe all those woke offerings are not so attractive. The stock tanks 30% in a day. A new book says the White House Director of Public Engagement, Cedric Richmond, referred to two woke squad members as expletive deleted idiots. You get the point. If that had been made public earlier, maybe the administration would have avoided some of the woke damage. Black Lives Matter, which piled into the woke madness, is a spent force. Its finances under investigation. It's one example after another. It is indeed a bad time to be woke. And there are so many woke people around this nation that are in a funk that they just don't even, they can't even define it. They can't believe this happened. But it is happening. The lights come on, folks. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to ride with the tide and let somebody else grab it and manipulate it and turn it into something and then try to once again force it down our throats? I mean, look back at what we had. We had this silly coronavirus pandemic. It is a serious disease, but it was manipulated in the American people 
by our healthcare community, and by money from the top from our political establishment. That's the way this whole thing's going to go down in history. It's not going to look anything like the big one back in 1918, the Spanish flu, when so many people died. History's going to look at it objectively, more objectively than they can now because the left have owned the narrative. They wrote the book. They wrote the manual. They made all the rules of what is and what isn't, what can be said, what can't be said. I mean, we're, if we're living in a world where biology says one thing, you've got Anthony Fauci preaching every day, you've got to follow the science, science says one thing, political thuggery says something else, and they redefine the thuggery as science. We're living in that world now. We just have to be careful about all of this. And Stuart Varney hit it on the head. We don't need to fret and worry about the woke crowd. They're going to they're gonna get whatever they get, whatever they deserve. They're just no different from us. We get out of our lives what seed we put in the ground. When it grows up and it comes to full term and blooms, it's going to be what we planted it to be, good or bad. And they're no different from us. That's a law of nature. They discount nature itself. They discount biology itself and everything to go with it. They have the right, they think, to manipulate everything to fit a political narrative that is so partisan, so evil, so controlling, it's anti-everything this government stands for. nation's pro-migration border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas. He's called up to the, to the House this week. He's going to face two House committees, and obviously he's going to face down some theatrical but very deliberately ineffective and uncoordinated criticism from Republican legislators. He's going to be all over television, 2 o'clock this afternoon, 1 Central, He's going to face down GOP legislators on the House Committee on Homeland Security. And it's about supposed to be about next year's budget for the Department of Homeland Security. And then tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, he's going to testify at the House Judiciary Committee in a hearing titled Oversight of the Department of Homeland Security, which is horse hockey. There's no oversight. Joe Biden lets... Alejandro Mayorkas do whatever he wants to, and he is a no borders, wide open, no geographical constraints person. He thinks we should let any immigrant come in, every immigrant come in with abandon. Just open the door and let them come in. Now, he's got a lot of people in Congress upset, now many on the left because of the flood of illegals that are already coming in, have been coming in in the Biden administration, and certainly with the termination of Title 42, when it happens, it will happen. A court, a judge here in Louisiana in federal district court um, said that Joe Biden doesn't have the legal authority to terminate Title 42, so it'll be appealed, and it's probably going to go past that May 23rd announced termination date for Title 42, we'll watch it. But McCarthy, Minority Leader McCarthy in the House, 
he warned during a tour of South Texas with the border on Mexico that Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas is probably going to face impeachment if he is found to be derelict in his job. McCarthy went with 10 other House members who visited the region on the very day the Texas Military Department announced it had recovered the body of that National Guard Specialist Bishop Evans. Mayorkas is going to testify today and tomorrow. Republicans are expected to pound him on the border crisis. Are you tired of hearing about these pounding, these egregious conversations they're having in these committee hearings that are reaching no conclusions at all? They're wasting time. Kevin McCarthy, I, I, I just, the book is out for me on him. Sometimes I, I trust him, sometimes I listen to him and think he's okay, but then other times I think he's out in left field. And that's just my personal opinion. Never met the man, never talked to the man. But he is the most political, powerful Republican in the House of Representatives. And if the House is taken back by the Republicans, which conventional wisdom is that that's going to happen in November, Kevin McCarthy will probably be the Speaker of the House. So he's in a place, a very important place, in leading his caucus and coming up with stuff like this. But listen, they need to change their attack plan. It's not working. They keep beating the same horse that died years ago and expecting to get different things out of a dead horse. There is no, absolutely no reason that Mayorkas is not fired already and no reason why he shouldn't be impeached along with the President of the United States. That's all Kevin McCarthy needs to say about this. They act like they have the pulse of the American people. But they're not out among the American people. They go home to campaign. I get all that. But when they go home to campaign, they're with people that are their supporters. They're not going out in the communities and taking it on the chin to try to spread their message or just to try to get a sense of what people are feeling about all of this chaos. So what is the plan under Joe Biden for illegal immigration and how to handle it. Well, guess what? They released a plan. They released a plan to deal with this expected surge in illegal immigration. Oh my gosh. There are 6,000 illegals just across the border from San Diego in one big group that are waiting for the gate to open and they're coming in, just 6,000. There are probably 25 or 30 other groups like that that we don't even know about yet. Mayorkas laid out his plan, so you can imagine how good it is. It's a 20-page memo, and I'll have that memo posted at truthnewsnet.org later on this morning. Go to today's story, which is about Elon Musk and his takeover of Twitter, and down at the bottom, you'll see that audio, excuse me, that Project Veritas YouTube video that includes the sound from that meeting immediately following the word that Elon Musk had reached terms and papers had been signed for him to buy Twitter. 
Those will be on the bottom there so you can see it for yourself, both of them. So in addition to deploying more resources like agents to the border, DHS is working to process illegal immigrants more quickly now, expelling those who are not allowed to stay under federal law. Now, the only people under federal law that are allowed to stay are those that filed believable claims of asylum. Those are the only ones that are supposed to stay. The rest, according to federal law, are supposed to be sent back from where they came, deported. If you hear some noise in the background outside the studio, there's a, there's some commercial business work going on, and you can hear them getting after it. Government is also, according to Mayorkas, bolstering the capacity of non-governmental groups, NGOs, to receive illegal immigrants after they're released by federal agents and disrupting criminal groups and smugglers who seek to smuggle people and or drugs into the United States. This is Mayorkas writing this plan. He claimed that overall the administration, oh, we're sending a clear message that the end of Title 42, that emergency order that enables quick expulsion of many illegals, does not mean that the U.S. border is open. Again, horse hockey. Still, Mayorkas repeated a charge he's made before. The U.S. immigration system is broken. His department is constrained by current laws. No, your department is not constrained by current laws, Mr. Secretary. You ignore the current laws, and your doing so is criminal action on your own part. You are purposely suborning the continued breaking of federal law after federal law in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that you are opening the door and letting them come into the nation, choosing you are arbitrarily not to enforce those laws. I'll put this memo up there, 20-page memo up there, but it has no substance in it. You'll shake your head. There's no plan there. It's just their plan is to do more of the same and just make it even stronger. Open it up and get more, even more immigrants here. So what about the new stuff on Hunter Biden and his laptop? Have you heard about it? It came in overnight. It's another big one. And there is some there there. Um... There is another bombshell, and this one implicates Joe Biden. Does the president still maintain that he never spoke with his son about his business dealings? Does he also say that he has never spoken to his son's business partners about his son's business dealings? Uh, he maintains uh, his same statements that he's made in the past. Uh, I would say, I know you're referring to uh, Waves records that were released more than 10 years ago. I really don't have uh, more detail or information on them. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki still refusing to admit that Joe Biden knew about his son Hunter's business dealings, even as new bombshell emails reveal. Joe agreed to pay Hunter's legal fees when dealing with the Chinese-controlled company at hand. Hunter's assistants reportedly telling a pair of Biden aides, quote, I spoke with Hunter today regarding his bills. It is my understanding that Hunter's dad will cover these bills in the short term as Hunter transitions in his career. 
The bills total more than $737,000, including $27,000 in legal fees for restructuring a joint venture with the Bank of China. We now know longtime Hunter Biden business partner Eric Schwerin visited the White House at least eight times in 2016. That brings the total number of visits during the Obama-Biden administration to 27 visits. So he went to the White House 27 times, Dagan, and I know Joe Biden, the then vice president's office, was right next door to the meeting that they had, and Joe didn't know anything was going on. No, and the, the fact that the press, that all the members of the press are not on top of this and are knowingly ignoring it, when this goes straight to the safety and security of this nation. That's right and our prosperity or lack thereof, the business dealings that went on for years and years and years, decades potentially, uh, involving our greatest adversaries, China and Russia. And the fact that nobody's on top of this except you, the New York Post, uh, a, a, a select a few us, yeah. journalists, but the, it, it's just astonishing to me. I don't know how all of this ends because it's co coming out more and more and more. And that laptop, totally Hunter's laptop, is still a treasure trove. Yeah, well, that's the original. The that's the original cover from the Post. There, there's the email of the big guy. Uh, when they detailed who gets what, Joe, in terms of that CEFC and, and, and uh, Chinese uh, deal uh, where Hunter was getting 20% equity and then Hunter was going to hold 10% held by H for the big guy. Yeah, and this isn't what we always saw during the Trump era, which is a source close to the president. A White House source says there are emails that no one is denying. There are bank records. Now you see 27 visits. That's not to see the Lincoln bedroom 27 times, right? <laughs> And then Jen Psaki still says, well, the president still maintains his past statements. Why is she still there, by the way, yeah. as press secretary? Anybody right. want to answer that? She's going to be at MSNBC in a matter of minutes, hours, probably two weeks. Yeah. And yet she's still press secretary. And why is Jackie Heinrich, the only person in that room, to your point, asking questions and about this? Thank God for Peter Ducey and Jackie Heinrich. Indeed. Yeah. And I, as somebody once told me, I forget who it was, uh, that this is not a Hunter Biden story. This is a Joe Biden story. <laughs> wow, we're finishing and unfortunately, when you see a situation where Ukraine is getting attacked and death and destruction happens every day and you have to question the commander-in-chief's decisions around Russia, China, Ukraine, it's, you, you recognize how serious this is. Fatal consequences that we're, that we're seeing now, potentially, but there is fortunately an investigation that's going on that when indictments start being handed down, and they probably will, uh, the press won't be able to ignore this anymore. We don't think they will. Yeah, but will, will Merrick Garland tip the scales? You know, the U.S. attorney can't do anything without getting the buy-in from the sitting attorney general. That's a good point. So and Andy McCarthy has pointed out that the tax investigation is running, being run out of Washington, D.C. Oh, well, that so gives us hope. The, the grand jury is in Delaware, but the tax investigation is yeah. being run out of D.C., which speaks to, is there a heavy hand? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Hunter Biden, the president's son. So what is all this about those visitors to the White House? Well, Hunter Biden's business partner, Eric Schwerin, he went to the White House eight more times in 2016 to visit then-VP Joe Biden's chief of staff, Steve Ricchetti. Ricchetti currently serves as Biden's White House counsel and was the president of the investment firm that Sherwin and Hunter Biden managed, Rosemont Seneca Partners. 
Rossetti also was Biden's chief of staff from 2013 to 2017. I think it's fair to say um, the pair are pretty connected. Those eight additional meetings at the White House, those are in addition to 19 visits we previously told you about. In total, Schwerin visited the White House 27 times between 2009 and 2016. Biden has reportedly met with Schwerin at least one time in the West Wing. So what, what, what is it? What's so important about these meetings? Well, they're significant because Joe has claimed again and again and again and again, I know nothing <laughs> like Sergeant Schultz. Biden says over and over again, I have no knowledge of Hunter Biden's family business scheme. The contact between Joe and Schwerwin directly contradicts Joe's repeated claims. The Post and Fox News reporting adds a 12th time that Joe Biden has allegedly been involved in the family's business scheme. On Tuesday, Press Secretary Saki once again dismissed Schwerin's visit to the White House as visit from more than 10 years ago. I really don't have more detail or information on them. So despite the president's claims of no involvement, public opinion says otherwise. 58% believe Joe Biden has played a role in his family's business. 60% say Hunter's sold influence and access to his father, Joe Biden, when he was VP. The poll also found that 67% think Joe should be impeached if he secretly participated and facilitated in the family's business. Can we say the I word? (laughs) Can we even bring it up? I mean, it was every stinking day during the four years of the Trump administration. Impeach, impeach, impeach. And here we have evidence right in front of our eyes. Somebody out there has uncontroverted factual evidence that proves all this stuff. But remember, it's Washington, D.C. They get free rides on a lot of stuff. Why? Because they're Democrats and they're in power. So the uproar, the furor to force Attorney General Merrick Garland to appoint a special counsel to look into this Hunter Biden stuff It's reaching really, really loud, loud levels. And so Attorney General Merrick Garland has been asked the obvious question. And he answered it, it, the obvious question with this. No interference will be allowed into the Department of Justice's investigation into Joe Biden's son. That's what the AG said yesterday. There will not be interference of any political or improper kind. Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, a Republican, questioned the AG on this, pointing out that Joe Biden's messengers, including White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, have said on national television that the president is confident his son Hunter did nothing wrong. The president's already told his subordinates clearly there are people he can fire at will that he and his family did nothing wrong. How can the American people be confident that his administration is conducting a serious investigation? And this is the senator from Tennessee, Bill Haggerty, asking Merrick Garland that question. 
the AG said, because we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee from the previous administration, who's the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware, and because you have me as the attorney general who is committed to the independence of the DOJ from any influence from the White House in criminal matters. This probe into Hunter Biden's business was revealed late 2020. He claimed that prosecutors were investigating his tax affairs. We heard it first from Hunter himself. David Weiss, who is that U.S. attorney for Delaware, later confirmed the investigation, but he has and he continues to decline to share any details. A grand jury subpoena showed that prosecutors compelled banks to share financial records of Hunter and the president's brother James or Jim Biden. Also, the mother of one of Hunter Biden's children has said she testified to authorities pursuant to a subpoena. Haggerty, he really tightened down on A.G. Garland in the hearing yesterday on whether a special counsel is appropriate, talking about the public comments by Ron Klain and White House Comm Directors Kate Bedingfield. There's an obvious conflict of interest here because those who are investigating the Biden family and their enterprise can be fired by the head of the family who is being investigated, Haggerty said. It's a vicious circle. Garland did not say whether the department has or is considering appointing a special counsel, though he noted that special counsels are also employees of the Department of Justice. He also wouldn't answer when he was asked if he agreed with the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller back in the Trump administration in the Russia collusion investigation. The question of whether to have a special counsel is one that is internal decision-making in the department, so I don't want to make any judgments one way or the other. That's what Merrick Garland, the AG, told Senator Mike Braun, Republican from Indiana, later in the hearing. I'm quite comfortable with the United States attorney for that district continuing in the role that he's playing now. So it looks like, at least at this point, Biden's Department of Justice is not going to put their finger on the scale and tilt it one way or another. How long do you think that can last? Do you think, like I do, that it's inevitable? Politics in D.C., if if you're on the Democrat side, it's all-consuming. Anything goes, and everybody is a target. Period. That's where they leave it. We need to switch gears. Do you want to switch gears? Let's do this. Only 37% of Democrats support Joe Biden in a presidential primary. 37%. And it was a hypothetical 2024 Democrat primary race. This came from a Harvard-Harris poll. They asked Democrat voters, if the Democrat presidential primary for the 2024 election was held today, who would you vote for? Just over one-third, 37%, said Biden, and Vice President Kamala Harris came in a distant second with just 14%. Another 9% chose Bernie Sanders, followed by twice-failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez failed Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, Senator Elizabeth Warren, 
and Senator Joe Manchin all got 3% support. Senator Amy Klobuchar got 1%, while 4% said someone else. Overall, 10% remained unsure. When Biden is taken out of the mix, Kamala Harris leads with 31% support, followed by Hillary Clinton, 14%, and Bernie Sanders with 10 the, the, it, it, it just seems like there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden now. I hate it. I hate that for any president because that means he's not getting any stuff done that the people want him to get done. The lack of enthusiasm for Joe comes as 54% express their disapproval of everything Joe's doing. Another 61% say the country is definitely on the wrong track. On the flip side, Donald Trump has a far firmer grip on his party as 58% of Republican voters say they would support him in any GOP primary. When the two are pitched against each other for a second matchup, Trump best Biden by two percentage points. Notably, the survey also found Trump besting Biden on key issues facing the country today including the economy, immigration, and stimulating new jobs. There were 2,000 people in that survey, which is double what the normal number is, to try to get a, a better, broader inclusion so the numbers come out to be more right on. All that's interesting. I think the uh, luster of Uncle Joe in the White House, I think it's dimmed. And I think every day, every day, little bitty tidbits come out that just identify who our president really is. And we've got an election coming up, a big one in November. Two years after that, a presidential election. We've still got that one of 2020 in our rearview mirror. And every once in a while, it'll raise its ugly head and hack off some Democrats who dare to be challenged for the results of the 2020 election being the real results. Underway right now in Georgia, got an audit going on. They're doing a massive investigation to find out exactly what happened in the 2020 election. Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger, he reported his office is investigating ballot harvesting and the registration of non-citizens to vote, both of which he suggests may have been orchestrated by third-party organizations. His office did a citizenship audit of Georgia's voter rolls. In the audit, they found more than 1,600 non-citizens who tried registering to vote. What I found is we had 1,634 that were never put on the voter rolls. They were in the pending status because they couldn't prove their citizenship. That's a felony in Georgia to even attempt to register if you're a non-citizen. And there's a one 10-year prison term and up to 100000 in fines. Raffensperger said they sent the information they found to the state attorney general and local DAs who will interview those who couldn't prove their citizenship and ask them, did you do this on your own free will or were you put up to it by some third-party organization? 
Through those investigations, Raffensperger said, they'll find out if there is an organization that's been really attempting to get non-citizens on the voter rolls in Georgia. He noted that his office is currently defending state law that requires ID and citizenship checks for voters against Stacey Adams' Fair Fight Action Group, which is suing Georgia, claiming the law violates the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, and the Voting Rights Act. When Stacey Abrams ran for governor four years ago, she talked about the blue wave, Raffensperger recalled. And she said that's the people who are documented and undocumented, i.e., that means non-citizens. She wanted them all to be able to vote in our election and absolutely not. I've been pushing back on that. I think that's an incredibly critical issue, not just for us here in Georgia, but for the entire country. Only American citizens should vote. And that's Raffensperger talking. Secretary of State also addressed ballot harvesting, explained how it can lead to voters being coerced to cast their ballot for certain candidates. I think we want people to freely express their choice when they vote, but you can end up with that whole process of voter coercion, Raffensperger said. Next thing you know, there's someone that owns a company. He's actually trying to coerce people in what they should vote for. Or if you're in a union situation, then the union boss is coercing you and who to vote for. We want people to make that free will decision because when people do that, then their voice is truly heard. So that's why it's very important. We want people to vote without any attempt of coercion. That's his song. We're going to watch. We're watching it closely. We're going to find out if he's going to stick to his guns and follow through with this whole thing. Because at the end of that, there was massive voter fraud in Georgia. I'm, I'm past the point where I'm looking back over my shoulder wanting things to be different. They are what they are. Joe Biden is president. He's in the White House. We know who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. We know what his issues are, at least many of his issues. And we know he is not cognitively available to be positive, termed to be positive mentally, to be able to govern this nation. Is anybody going to do anything? Well, it can't be done. Impeachment's the only way out or him to step down. He's not going to step down. And the House of Representatives and the Senate controlled by Democrats, they're not going to be able to impeach him. He's here as long as he wants to be, basically, at least until the 2024 election when he'll probably even lose, if he runs, he'll probably even lose the voting control on the Democrat side. What did I tell you at the top of the show today? There's so many things, so many things going on. It's hard to keep our arms around it. So let's move away from the, um, the trendy top line stories. And for the last segment of today's show, let's talk about some other important things that aren't making all the headlines. Like Tucker, Tucker Carlson, he took a moment to relish grieving tyrants last night. And he, of course, is talking about Twitter. He referred to, as a rare good news show, 
Fox News host Tucker Carlson explained that the reason for his positive outlook was because tonight the tyrants are grieving. To open his show, Tucker went over what the purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk ultimately means and why opponents of the purchase, namely liberals around the nation, were losing their virtual minds over this new development in their woke world. You just became a little more powerful, he explained, based on the expectation that Musk will indeed be a free speech absolutist. The people already in charge just got a little less powerful. It's that simple, he said, and it's that profound. He said of the people who totally believed they'd be able to rule without limit, you're watching those people learn that, actually, other people get to talk and that realization is crushing them. It's the one thing they fear, and that tells you everything about why those people should never be near power. People who want a monopoly on speech and thought hate Elon Musk, not because he's a racist, he's not, but because they can't control him. They hate him because he persists in saying things like this, setting up a clip where Musk replied to a question about the reasoning for wanting to buy Twitter. Well, I think it's very important for there to be an inclusive arena for free speech. I lost my spot. When we do these things, I like to get them exactly correct when we're quoting somebody. My strong intuitive sense is that having a public platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. I don't care about the economics at all. So free speech is extremely important in civilization, Tucker said. Are you triggered by that? It's often hard to know who's on what side. So much lying. Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Well, here's a very clear, simple, and unerring test. Who are the tyrants? They're anyone who is bothered by the idea that other people might get to talk. That is an unfailing test. It's 100% accurate. Would you allow people who disagree with you to talk, he asked? If you wouldn't, you are a tyrant. And tonight, the tyrants are grieving. And there was plenty of proof. Plenty of proof that based on the response Tucker received to a two-word tweet he posted on his previously locked-out account. We're back, he wrote. In contrast, it took best-selling author Stephen King twice as many words to publicly assure everyone that this was something he didn't actually care about. While others joined Carlson in flocking back to previously shuttered accounts, members of Congress revealed exactly how threatened they are about the purchase by proposing greater taxes on the billionaire. Isn't that the D.C. way? You campaign on punishing the billionaires, taking that money away from them and giving it to the poor. The Robin Hood thing. Old song, second, third, fourth, fifth verse. I'm tired of hearing that. So as they were hollering about punishing this very wealthy businessman who may end up doing more for individual liberty than any Democrat pipe dream could ever even hope for, Tucker explained how precisely this proved his point. 
Why are they so mad, he asked. Because their monopoly on speech and information, their ability to control what you believe has been broken. So once again, they're resorting to force to get you to shut up. This is not an attack on Elon Musk. They're not going to tax him into poverty. He's the world's richest man. This is an attack on you and your right to speak freely, to express your conscience in public. But for once, it's not working, and the media are infuriated. They're profoundly threatened by a free Internet. And so they're panicked. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper, and we can't get solid answers because we're not being told everything. And that part really bothers me. We're not being told everything. I think we're all smart enough where when we get the facts, we have a great analyzation skill. We can look at things. We can research. We can find facts. We can prove that some things that are told to us are untrue. We hope there are more being told to us that are true. But I'm not so sure that's the case when it comes right down to it. News out today. Manufacturing businesses in the U.S. Central Atlantic region, they reported worsening business conditions, rising cost inflation as the sector's expansion continued into April. That's coming from the Federal Reserve Bank in Richmond. The 5th District of Manufacturing Activity showed businesses say the prices paid for materials are up 12% over the preceding 12 months, up from 11 and 11 uh, cents, 11.05% in March. Manufacturers do expect easing a price pressure in the future, likely reflecting the Federal Reserve's recent hawkishness. Expected cost inflation over the next 12 months fell to 6.09% from 6.56%. And we have a big shocking piece of news that just came out. It really is shocking. It, it took my breath away when I saw it. Probably going to do something similar to you. We're going to get into that. Got a couple of more big stories we want to pass along to you before today's show ends. We'll be right back at TNN Live. We're digging for truth. That's what we do here. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? 
Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. You remember the words we got over and over again from the Biden administration about inflation? It's transitory, transitory. It's not going to last. We're going to, we're going to see it turn real quickly. Well, what has a lot to do with that is trade deficit. Trade deficit is how much we import compared to how much we export. And obviously what we want to do is we want to export more than we're importing. That means there's not a trade imbalance. Economists had expected our trade deficit in goods to narrow this month, well, last month, but the report today. It's supposed to go to $105 billion in March after it grew to a record high $106 billion in February. Guess what? It ain't nothing like the expectation of what was supposed to happen. The Census Bureau said the deficit in goods jumped 18% to a record $125.3 billion in March. And that broke February's record. So as our economy recovered rapidly from the pandemic, at least they told us it was, and the Fed has begun raising interest rates, the dollar's gotten stronger against foreign currencies. The dollar's strength against foreign currency, that makes imports relatively cheaper. As well, a tight labor market here in the U.S. and our ongoing supply chain trouble, those are driving up cost inflation for our manufacturers. A report from the Richmond Fed on Tuesday showed manufacturers in the Mid-Atlantic region report cost of raw materials are up almost 12% from a year ago. The Biden folks have refused to take any action to protect U.S. good that are producers in foreign manufacturers taking advantage of a tight U.S. labor market, inflation, dollar strength, and supply chain problems to capture our market share. Last year, our trade deficit gapped out to its widest ever. The deficit in goods exceeded a trillion dollars for the first time ever. Exports rose in March by 7.7%. Imports were up by 11.5%. In other words, we're importing more, getting other countries to send us their goods, and therefore we're paying for them at an 11.5% rate compared to our exports, what we're selling to people and companies in other countries. There's a 4% gap there. In other words, 
our business leadership in this nation right now, in this administration, those that are watching all of these economical factors that weigh heavily into what we are good at, what we can get, what we can't get, and how good we are at what we're doing. And it continues to plummet under Joe Biden. Nobody wants to talk about it. Have you heard about what happened and has been happening again and again? Texas put in and passed, and it was signed into law, their new abortion law. And those on the left are just going absolutely crazy about it. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals dismissed, listen to this, all challenges to the Texas Heartbeat Act's private enforcement provision. This is part of this law that it just horrifies the left. Texas law bans abortions after any fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually about six weeks of gestation. But the law drew legal scrutiny in part because of a novel enforcement mechanism by which me and you, private citizens, can sue anyone who assists a woman in getting an abortion, including doctors. The court ruling struck down all challenges to the private enforcement provisions. That's according to the ruling that came out yesterday. That bill was signed into law in May. In other words, what the court said, and this this is in the federal system. This one was determined at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. Um, They're one of the most right down the middle appeals court in the federal system. But they basically said, you can't challenge it. It's a law. The people of Texas elected the legislators and the governor to craft and enforce laws, implement and enforce laws. They're the people's representatives. They're the ones that decide if this is going to stand or if it's going to go. And all we're going to tell you is they passed the laws. We don't enforce the laws. They enforce the laws. And that's the way it is. Well... Day's over. You know who you didn't hear today? You didn't hear from Clyde the Camel. Hey, hey, hey. What day is it? What day is it? No, I can't even get close to duplicating. Thank you so much for being here today. Don't forget, if you missed part of any show, grab them at our podcast sites. Facebook, Stitcher, Google Podcast, TuneIn Podcast, iHeartRadio Podcast, Spotify, and Apple. Thank you for being part of this family. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow morning here at TNN Live. They do. They smile in your face. All the time they want to take your place. The backstabbers. Backstabbers. They smile in your face. All the time they want to take your place. The backstabbers. Backstabbers. All you fellas who have someone and you really care. They do.